Hello and welcome to another episode of Bringing Design Closer. My name is Jerry Scullion and I'm a service designer and I'm the founder of This Is Hate CD and the CEO of ThisIsDoing.com where we provide live online design and innovation classes providing training for people within the design and change making space. We also have our new Doing Design Festival series now and with the next event on June the 18th with the theme of Doing Design Online with some of the This Is Doing team talking about loads of items related to that. For more information, see the doingdesignfestival.com. Now today in the show, we have Lar Veal, lead UX designer for business banking in AIB, one of Ireland's biggest banks. We speak about the journey both Lar and AIB went on introducing jobs to be done framework and what this actually entailed. I have a little bit of experience with jobs to be done, but not an awful lot. So I was extra curious and approached this conversation as somebody who was kind of keen to learn a little bit more and also maybe discuss some of the caveats that went about introducing new things to an already established team and organization. Anyway, let's get straight into the episode. Larville, how's it going? How are you? Great, Jerry. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm a long-time listener, first-time caller. Oh, really? It's like we're starting off like Fraser here. That's what uh, Fraser Crane used to say. But Lar, I've been excited to get to interview. I've been trying to set this one up for quite a while. But obviously, this is my first podcast back post-COVID. Everyone, I've been out of action for a couple of months, but I'm excited to have my first guest back for 2021, believe it or not. It's Lar Veal. Lar, where are you coming from today? I'm just in Louth, which is the wee county. It's the smallest county in Ireland. Best county Close in Ireland. Close to the border. The best, indeed. Just on the border with with the north of Ireland. Uh, very good. I follow Lara on Instagram, and the photos that you send are insanely beautiful. And I'm actually from Loud as well, so I, I know I'm completely biased. But the Loud that I'm from and the Loud that you're living in is are two different worlds. So it's it's absolutely a beautiful part of the world. Lara, today we're we're going to be chatting about jobs to be done. Mm-hmm. Maybe we we'll start up. Well, what's your experience about jobs to be done and give us some context on, on what you're currently doing now? Sure. So I first heard of jobs to be done quite a few years ago from Clayton Christensen, died unfortunately this time last year. And Intercom were talking a lot about it as well mm. when they kind of started out. So I, I dug a little bit deeper into it and just recently have introduced the kind of concept and the method into where I work at the moment in AIB in Dublin. So yeah, that's that's basically where it's come from. You mentioned there Intercom, okay? And I've actually seen Emma Meehan, who was at Intercom for a number of years and since that's moved right, on. Yeah. Emma talking at UX Scotland when I was there a number of years ago, a great conference, and was talking about how effective it was in bringing the kind of customer closer and solving you know va- valuable customer problems. And at that stage. I'll be honest with you. I was like, I enjoyed Emma's presentation, but I was like, oh, this is just another, another thing, another, another tool for a designer to potentially use, or worse, a non-designer to use and make a balls of it. Sure. So w- you mentioned there that you were probably a little bit cynic beforehand. What was causing that cynicism? Uh, that's precisely it. I think I, I was a bit a cynic, if not a skeptic, I suppose, in that was it just another model or a new, another way of doing the same thing? Effectively, mm-hmm. a repackage. And God help you if you go onto Medium and start reading some designers saying personas are bad, jobs to be done are good. Yeah. But uh, so, yeah, I was a bit skeptical. And, and our friend Jared Spool has called jobs to be done a bit of a gimmick. 
Mm-hmm. However, and I'm okay with actually business people or non-designers using it. It's not just for designers. It's 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 come in from from business and from marketing and from innovation consultants and, and for good reason. I think it's what I've seen in it, and, and I suppose there's a number of different positions and jobs to be done. You've got Bob Mesta, you've got and the Clayton Christensen School of jobs to be done. Yeah. You've got a guy called Alan Clement, who's is kind of similar, I think. And then you've got Stratagen and Tony Ulwick. And I kind of favored the, the latter one, Tony Ulwick's approach, largely credited with inventing jobs to be done. But for him and, and for Stratagen and for the people who kind of follow that school of thought is that it's a very precise framework. Hmm. So very structured framework. So it gives you some very specific tools you can use to think from the outside in. Rather than thinking about solutions first, that you're actually thinking about needs first. You know, mm. so again, and I can see a, a really, I can join the dots or see an alignment between that and goal-directed design. You know, yeah. the Alan Cooper School of Interaction Design, yeah. where you're really trying to ask who is the user, what are their goals, and why are they doing it. Yeah. Um, you know, so th- th- those to me are actually jobs to be done and outcome statements. Yeah. You know? So it, you brought this this new method into AIB, which is one of Ireland's biggest banks, my bank. And mm-hmm. what, what was the maturity like in AIB as regards and maturity and appetite for a new method of like something like this? Well, I suppose there was certainly an appetite in the sense that like any big company, you will often have initiatives that are very much solutions first. They may not have a need, a customer need at all. And how do you know is the problem? Because what you don't want is for any uh, innovation that's going to cost you time, money, and attention to be a game of chance. Mm. So it may or may not work. When how do you know you need to you know? So so certainly there's an appetite within my department, you know, in in, in business banking, mm. you know, to really figure out what is it that customers need, and really that has direct correlation to once we know what that is, well, that can help us define our our roadmap and our backlog of things to work on next. So yeah. if you were to meet a cynic within the banking world and you were saying, well, we're going to be doing this new thing called jobs to be done, why should they care? Well, I suppose I, I might not lead with with jobs to be done because mm. in, in many ways it's loaded. You have to sell yeah. it as a concept. I would talk really about the, the, the outcomes of jobs to be done or, or the value. And I would talk in terms of, do we know what our customers' needs are? Mm. How do we know? How confident are we that they are our customers' needs? Are they written down anywhere that we can point to? And does everyone agree on them? And that's really the problem, you know, is, is mm. sure, you, you might have done some UX research and you might know what the customer needs are and they're floating around in your head or they're in your notebook or on your laptop. But how widely are they shared, acknowledged, agreed on mm. and rallied around? Yeah, you know, I think that's why I, I, I think jobs done can have a real benefit. You're not, it's, it's not a design type methodology. You know, you're not talking in terms of like contextual inquiry that mm. people are going, what? It's more accessible. It's accessible is the right word. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I'm hearing. So like you mentioned there about personas being bad and jobs to be done are good. Like I've seen those articles and they're still out there and we should put them all into a little file and right click and delete. <laughs> but let, let's talk about the problems that you think jobs to be done solves over personas, okay? Because typically in my world, personas, I've used them and I still use them to kickstart projects off, but typically I've seen them being done very badly, even within mature organizations. 
where they articulate very fluffy needs. But I'm keen to or hear... None. Or none. Yeah. 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 Or, so I'm really keen to hear, you know, what, what your thoughts are on can they potentially personas and jobs to be done intersect? So if someone's already got personas within their organization, is this something that they can look at? Is it if this, then that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, just like personas can be done badly, anything can be done badly, including jobs to be done. But I think, you know, both require rigor, you know, and that's often what's missing. We often look at the output of a persona. It's got a nice cheery picture of a person. It might have a little bit of a life story and some demographics. Mm. To me, that's, you know, a bad persona. It should have very little in it that doesn't lead to a developer or a business person or another designer really understanding, fuck it, yeah, this is how... Am I allowed, Curse? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. We're all adults it in should, this podcast. It, it should have nothing in it that doesn't lead to some sort of insight to say, okay, now I know who I'm designing for, why I'm designing it this way or building it this way. And oftentimes what's missing from personas is the scenarios that go along with it. You know, personas mm. are only the, the characters in a in a story. You know, the scenarios need to kind of... The context, the plot. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but what, what I like about jobs to be done, I suppose, is, first of all, it does require the same level of rigor, mm. but then it's, it's the, I suppose, the precise framework, you know, brings real precision to where personas can be fluffy, if done well, of course. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's quite a prescriptive approach, you know, the, um, prescriptive language within it. You've got the job itself. So that's what someone is, is trying to get done. Mm. And then within a job, you have a number of steps or sequence not quite a task flow, but you've got steps within the job of what people are trying to get done. So it's, mm. you know, an example often cited is that in an operation, you were talking earlier about COVID, but mm. in, in a medical setting, someone isn't looking at the screen or looking at the uh, sphygmo manometer. They're looking to check the patient's blood pressure or the patient's vital signs. Mm. You know, so it's not what they're doing. It's what they're trying to get done at each step. So a job can yeah. be broken down into kind of discrete job steps. Yeah. And within that there's a very precise language around what's called desired outcome statements. So I polled Twitter, the best of Twitter recently, and some top Irish entrepreneurs and VCs were giving out about how long it takes to open a bank account. You oh, know, yeah. it was crazy. They need to move fast. They don't want to be sticking around in this kind of administrivia. But if you were to phrase that as a, as a desired outcome statement, you would say, minimize the time it takes to open a bank account so that I can get on with running My business. Yeah. Yeah. So, and once you're very precise in that language, that's when the creativity comes in afterwards. Yeah. It's, it's figuring out, okay, so, well, how do we best answer that question? Taking a leaf out of IDEO's book, how might we best minimize the time it takes to open a yeah. business bank account? So it, I can see all these parallels with design thinking, with hmm. interaction design and with goal-directed design. Yeah. So I think it's very complementary. So looking at the the ecosystem that you had in front of you before jobs to be done arrived into your life what are the kind of things that you you know you feel are really needed to make jobs to be done successful and to be adopted within organizations i think well, what we've tried i suppose is you asked you know how would i sell jobs to be done earlier but i think the first thing you need to do is is learn it by doing so it is definitely mm. a new tool set you know so you do have to you may need some support in terms of training, but like most things and most change, you need an internal champion to make it happen. Yeah. So, or an ambassador, if not a champion. So someone who can introduce the concepts, give some training and show it being done. And that's what we've done in AIB. We, we ran a series of 12 customer interviews 
and we got a number of designers and UX researchers to conduct those interviews with a bit of training and, and coaching beforehand, a bit of mentoring during, and then we did the kind of analysis together. And what was really interesting is, is we, before we did this, I tried to put the lens of jobs we done over some interview notes I'd taken over the years on, I think, 30 or 40 interviews all around making payments. You know, what are the problems around making payments? Mm. And we came out, I came out with about 20 to 30 uh, outcome statements from those. Mm. You know, so that it, it's kind of a retrospective activity. Yeah. But then when doing it the next time out, I think we tripled it. We had over 90 outcome statements from interviewing a different set of people with a precise lens of jobs to done over it. Yeah. You know, so these are, t- are 90 articulated needs that we can all agree and rely on and, and align on. And then the next step of the process is to, well, you can actually survey you know, a larger sample and ask of these outcome statements, which of them are most important to you and which of these mm. are you the least satisfied with? Let's talk a little bit more around that whole kind of surveying process because it sounds very similar to Jerry McGovern's top tasks methods. I don't know if anyone has have you have you ever used Jerry McGovern's top tasks? I'm familiar with it, yeah, and I used it years ago with a telco. Mm. I think when the book first came out, it's, I think it's out of about ten years. The method's about, about ten years, yeah. The book yeah, is about. Yeah. Three or four years, maybe. I don't oh, know. maybe okay. Jerry's probably listening. Can he go? No, Jerry, it was out eighteen <laughs> months ago. <laughs> um, I'm useless with dates, but like in terms of you mentioned there about doing surveying, and I guess it would be good to understand what an end-to-end journey looks like for a jobs to be done project. If that's sure, if you're following the prescribed process, the first step is hmm. we need to interview people. Yeah, they may not be customers. They may not be even users. But it's really in the problem space. It's not in the solution space. You're really trying to figure out you know, how people think, what they're trying to get done, not just in, in, in the narrow purview of, of what you can offer and what your capabilities are. Because if you do that, you're blind to the potential opportunities and yeah. the needs that are unserved elsewhere. So that would be the first thing. So you, you can do a number of interviews. I would advocate you know, somewhere between 12 and 20. And you can do multiple types that's of interviews. That's quite a lot, Lara. That's quite a lot. 12 and 20 is quite a lot. Why is it so high? Because you're going to get different types of people, you know? So I think that's generally why patterns can emerge, you know, after five, six, seven, eight. Hmm. But like if, in AIB's example, we've got small businesses, we've got medium-sized businesses, we've got corporates, you know, and, and they okay. have they may have very similar needs. We don't know until we've done the work, hmm. you know? So my point is that it, you know, does require rigor. But 20 interviews is probably 20 hours. So is that per kind of actor within the system or is that holistically? So if there's two actors, so say if you've got, say, a a business or a banking teller and the Mm. customer, are you doing 20 interviews for the teller and 20 interviews for the the customer? I mean, you could, yeah. I mean, it's, I suppose, yeah. I mean, you're not being too prescriptive on on the system. Mm. You know, you're, you're kind of, you're unbounded somewhat. Okay, you're going to obviously talk to business people. Yeah. You know, if we're a business banking platform, but we may be interested in answering a really broad question on, you know, should we bring in an invoicing system? I'm just purely speculating hmm. to allow customers to send invoices to, to yeah. their customers. There are plenty of software providers that do this already hmm. outside of banking. You know, but good question is, should we do it? You know, is hmm. that market unserved? Is there a market? 
Yeah. You know, so you're, you, are, you are trying to answer big questions like, is there a market for something or is something viable if we do it down to the level of what should we put in a roadmap? What's next? You know, so it's, it's, it's kind of conserve big, broad strategic questions down to, you know, what are the top three things we need to deliver, you know, in the next couple of sprints. Okay. Very good. So you've, you've recruited your 20 or 12 to 20 people. You've, you have to create a script. So as regards the focus of, of the, the conversation that you're going to have, how is that designed? How is that? Because when it comes to script creation, I'm, I'm kind of working between worlds trying to make sure that the conversation is, is on track. Yeah, I think good, good exploratory interviews from the UX world are, are quite similar. You'd ask things like, tell me about a time when you were trying to make a payment, for example. Tell me about what's most frustrating about that. Tell me about the things you do before you make a payment or after you make a payment. What takes the most time? Hmm. T- tell me about the last time something went wrong. Okay. So for very much open-based questions. Yeah. Uh, but, but then you kind of go down a layer. You know, again, the five whys is, is uh, you know, a common technique. But you would ask things like, so what are you trying to get done at that step hmm. just before you make a payment? And why do you do it that way? Yeah. And you might, you know, so you might go up uh, for, for why and, and then in terms of getting to how they do something, how they actually do the job right now, you'll ask them the how type yeah. questions. How do you store that invoice? Why do you store that invoice? I might store that invoice that I need to pay because I don't want to forget it when it's due. Mm. Yeah. How do you store that? Well, I store that in a spreadsheet or I store that in a folder on my phone. And mm. some of those, solu- why do you choose that solution over another solution? Yeah. And have you tried anything else? And, you know, when you get to the point of someone, you can really explore why someone uses a certain solution or they've explored a workaround because something's so frustrating. Yeah. You know, there's, there's gold in there. Yeah, absolutely. So do you have a team of people tracking or like you, you're doing transcripts within those research sessions? Because like any method, the quality of the output is down to the, the quality of your raw data that you're going to get to work with, presumably. Yeah, I mean, the goal of these interviews is to identify the outcome statements, which are another way, another word for need. What is the precise need? So we've tried transcripts and they Mm -hmm. work. So some of the tools out there nowadays are phenomenal, you know, Mm -hmm. using Lookback, using Dovetail. Dovetail Dovetail uses an automated kind of transcription service. It's not the best in Irish accents, I will say. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise, surprise. It's based out of Sydney. Yeah, but it's yeah. it's it's. Uh, I think I'm not sure what they use in the background for the transcription. It might be Otter. Yeah, but it actually it, it has meant that we've missed very little. You know, when we go back and analyze the transcripts. Hmm. But actually, the, the technique that I'm most interested in at the moment is during the interview, uh, and it, it's really worked well remotely because you share a screen and you're writing out the insights, and the the participant can see them. So you know, like I'm I'm let's for example. You know, I'm concluding a payment. So what are you trying to conclude in, in a payment? What are, you, what are you trying to achieve is the type of question you'd ask. Yeah. And they might say, well, you know, I want to make sure that the, the recipient knows they've been paid and it was me who paid them and they know why I've paid them. Hmm. Okay. So but what are you trying to avoid in that situation? And you're probably trying to minimize the likelihood that a payment goes unrecognized by a recipient. Yeah. Or minimize the, the back and forth. Yeah. Or any disputes around being paid when the person has been paid. Yeah. And they go, Oh yeah, that's right. You know, so you write that down and then you would, you would literally validate it with them in the room saying, is, is that accurate? Now you're not quite 
putting words in their mouth, but you, there is a bit of play and back and forth on, does this feel right? Okay. Which is kind of the, the uh, I guess, the antithesis from, from my world as a, as a design researcher. When I sit there, I'm like, I sometimes I'm very coy and, you know, I don't let them, I don't say things for them to, to jump on and say, yeah, that's well, you're right. not Yeah, exactly. You're not trying to, I suppose, you're not trying to put words in their mouth, but you're, there is some synthesis happening in play in the interview rather than yeah. you've got your transcript and now later you figure out what that means. Hmm. So that does come with a bit of a risk though. That does come with a bit of, you know, there's potential there for some, and I'm not, you know. No, no, I agree. I think that yeah. you need to be very careful. You need to be a skilled interviewer to, to know that you are not the expert. They're still the expert. Yeah. You've, you've parked your worldview at the door. You're using their words, not yours. Yeah. And you know, you've got the beginner's mindset, you know, all that good stuff that comes from being a good design researcher. Mm. I suppose it's, I mean, that's the technique at least that we're trying. Yeah. You know, so it's, you've got to be careful though. You're right. Absolutely. So you've got your, your 20 interviews and they've, they've all been transcribed and you're ready to go. And Lar comes in on a Monday morning and he's like, right, folks, we're going to be doing some synthesis this week. What does the synthesis look like? And how does it differ to the traditional, say, design research process? I suppose with the traditional design process, at times you can go straight from an observation to a conclusion without a bit in between, in the sense that you can start going, well, what's the solution? What's the solution? You know, what do we design because of what we've heard? Rather than saying, you know, let's stick with the problem statements. Yeah. And that, that's what Jobsman is good at. It's, it's not talking about creativity. It's yeah. not talking about design. It's talking about, you know, precisely what are the customer needs that are out there. Yeah. Uh, so the output of, of, say 12 or 20 interviews would be a long list of uh, outcome statements or needs. It is not, you've not assigned any importance to them. You've not even validated that they are needs. Apart from they came up in some interviews, you, you're not saying they came up most often. The next step is that, that job student survey, where for, for every need, you ask those questions. How important is this to you? And how okay. satisfied are you? you know, and from that, you've got a ranked list of needs. You know, that you're still you're still not deciding to do any of these things. You're mm-hmm. saying, well, this is what we've identified in our interviews. This seems to be how they rank. Now, now what? So that's yeah. when the skills of synthesis and design come in and yeah. creativity. You know, okay, that seems to be a problem. You know, so like one of the things that came up uh, was you know minimizing the time it takes to make multiple payments. You know, yeah. I'd, it, through my design interviews and my design research interviews, I had heard one interviewee talk about spending 45 minutes to an hour every morning making payments i said that's madness you know and they were just internal payments they had lots of incoming bank accounts and they needed to transfer all that money to an operational account and for one reason or another they didn't know or we didn't have a feature that would enable them to do that faster we know that the, the outcome statement there is minimize the time it takes to make multiple payments yeah you know so that and look, there are hundreds of solutions out there. You've heard of sweeping probably, which is kind of automated rules around if my balance is over a certain amount, transfer the money out into someplace else. That's mm-hmm. one solution. There could be quick pay type features that you could enable. You could reduce the number of bank accounts people actually needed. Yeah. There's lots of things, but I suppose lots the answer, things. you know, the point is you don't start with those solutions. You start with, okay, that's the need and it's very, very precise. Mm. And that's one that we can very clearly articulate to all our stakeholders mm. around the place. Can I ask, so when you've done those research interviews, is the survey done 
straight away afterwards or does there do you need a little bit of synthesis in between i think you, you always need a bit of synthesis you okay. know, there's no substitute for actually thinking yeah. through things properly okay. you know and you may need to look at how you phrase an outcome statement because more or less you're going to take those and show them to hmm. a sample size and get a survey and once you've put a survey question live you know there's very little opportunity for hmm. follow-ups or clarity you know it's Generally, you would look at the phrasing of, of your outcome statements. Yeah. You would do a test version of the survey to make sure people understand what it is you're asking. Yeah. Effectively, usability test survey and probably should do all the time. Yeah, absolutely. So, so with the survey, it's with different people. It's not with the same set of people that you've had for the for the interviews, correct? Correct, yeah. Yeah, okay. So there's... I mean, and they don't, need to be your, they, they don't have to be your customers. They could be customers of other okay. institutions. You, you do want to cast the, the net widely. And you do ask segmentation based questions either at the start or at the end you know yeah what kind of business do you work for how big is that business in our case at least yeah what industry are you in hmm. you know are you the owner of the business or are you uh, just an employee of the business you know yeah. are you manage all those things you know to see if there's any correlation the data that comes out yeah it kind of reminds me of uh, and like I've, I've not used jobs to be done i've used kano modeling and top tasks and all this kind of stuff but that survey yeah. You mentioned there kind of reminds me a little bit of the the phrasings of the questions within Kano modeling. Have you? It's, ever it's, 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 it's yeah, it's very similar. Like it does paired questions. Yeah, I think Kano looks at the solutions. You know, so I think again, I can see you need to have your solutions up front for Kano. Like you need to have your features, and it kind of works out the basic needs and the desire. Yeah, yeah, but I think you know that whereas you could really use them in a complementary way. Absolutely. You know, it haven't yet, but I mean, Kano looks at at how basically asking the question. Yeah. How satisfied would you be with the presence of this feature or the absence of it? How pissed yeah. off would you be? You know, so, you know, and, and the delighters and the table stakes type stuff, you know. But Absolutely. So it could be like, well, when you're saying it there, I'm, I'm seeing a journey of hierarchy of things and, you know, the concepts could be used in the Kano model. Or the outputs of the jobs to be done could be used in terms of a Kano model's, you know, survey or research study. Exactly. Be, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? It could yeah. be really cool. Yeah, so I mean, that's we're going to explore that, you know, and that's the great thing, you know, with, with the opportunity to, to to work through these things, you know. So you know, we have to try it first and see if it works for us. You yeah. Know, once we're, we we kind of understand the method and the, and how to hmm. practice it, I suppose. How does it integrate with like r- other studies that are running concurrently? So, say you've got a couple of teams doing jobs to be done, and there's maybe some things that are intersecting. Is there any kind of secret sauce as regards the repository of information that's that's captured during jobs to be done research and synthesis well that that's one thing we did recently was we brought in dovetail yeah as a research repository because you know i remember asking questions you know does anyone know about you know how to best add credit cards to accounts or some, some something like that you know, and I was uh, on, on Slack and, and what was very interesting was there was definitely someone who knew the answer, but it, it it's who you knew. Yeah. There was no place to go to. It had to be a person to go to. And of course, if they move on, the knowledge goes with them. Yeah. And memory fades as well. So the research repository we have is phenomenal because any new initiative that we're working on, any new feature where the question comes like, okay, what do we know about this? You know, what do yeah. we know about the people who, who need to use this at some point? And through clever tagging within Dovetail, we can get to an answer pretty quickly. Yeah. So desk research can be the, the primary research you do rather than the secondary, you know, if yeah. it exists in Dovetail, you know, and if it's recent and if you feel that it's, you know, timeless rather than ephemeral. Mm. 
How, how have you found working remotely and all this stuff with jobs to be done and stuff? And stuff um, and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's actually been pretty positive, particularly in research and interviews. Uh, when you're fixed to a specific location, like your head office, where you've got really good research rooms and, uh, and mm. you know, usability lab, you're kind of constrained by your geographical area. So who can get to you? Who could afford to get to you yeah. over their lunch break during a working day yeah. in a timely way? Whereas now we can cast the net far wider across the country and not just our country. You know, AB are in, in Northern Ireland and in Great Britain as well. Yeah. So we've been able to interview customers. More inclusively. You know, over, yeah, inclusively over, over Lookback. So that's been really, really helpful. So that, that's been, I think, one of the benefits. You know, it kind yeah. of forced us into doing that. You know, it means that we can go back out, you know, when things do or if they ever return to normal. But, you know, we shouldn't be constrained by our geographic limitations. Yeah, no, absolutely. Looking back on what you've, and you as the organization and also yourself, what are the key learnings and what would you do differently based on what you've done now? I w- probably would have taken it in earlier. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but, uh, but hindsight's great f- from that perspective. But, you know, so we, we brought training in. So we, we got someone from strategy to train us. But in terms of what I do differently, I suppose looking back over my old research notes, pre-jobs to be done, oftentimes I might have been the sole interviewer or maybe with, a, with someone with me. But our, the notes we took weren't full transcripts. They were summary notes of what we felt were important in the moment or what we caught and lacked the things we missed. Hmm. Whereas the benefit of, and actually this is one of the things from working remotely in that if we're recording interviews and the, with the ability now to, to run transcripts, there's less likelihood of us missing anything. So we can focus on the interview in the moment rather than trying to capture everything right there and then. You can go back over your transcripts. So that's been really useful. And that's, I suppose, technology has enabled that yeah. in many respects. So previously we were using more manual ways to, to record and it was just a pain to go back over notes. Whereas if you can timestamp certain things in a full interview video and transcript you know you can go back over and, and zone in review uh, it after the fact yeah, yeah yeah absolutely so it's brought a bit of rigor back i think that's the, that you know that, that should be done anyway but it's just it's focused again on, on that sense of rigor yeah which is which has been quite good yeah but ultimately i think ultimately you know it's i'm sure like any big business there's been near misses where there's been an initiative where a project could have gone out and, and maybe still does with a solution first focus. Yeah. Whereas this thinking from the outside in, I mean, that's, that's been a kind of a design researcher's mantra for years. Yeah. But, you know, and we've been asking for the seat at the table for so long, you know, and maybe this is one way we do it. We're using something that's actually brought over from business, from Clayton mm. Christian, from Bob Nesta. You know, we're, we're bringing one of the tools that's probably more recognized on that side of the house. Yeah. And, and indeed marketing. But once, once you're very clear on what those needs are, you don't actually have to create something new. You know, it may be that actually, Jesus, lads, we have something. We're just not talking about it in this way. Yeah. We need to talk about something we have in this new way of how it solves problems for people. Yeah, yeah. resequencing the system. Yeah. It's probably, yeah, that's a really good point. Lara, if people want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, they can check out my cinnamon buns on Twitter, <laughs> at Lawrenceville. Yeah. Uh, or they can uh, find me on LinkedIn. Yeah. I'll put links to those in the show notes. Lara, I, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm a bit disappointed that I didn't get my cinnamon buns in the post. Lara, Lara mentioned to me a number of weeks ago, his cinnamon buns, we've also been joking about the cinnamon buns for quite a while, but check out Lara's cinnamon buns. They're uh, they're great, like, you know. 
Well, once restrictions uh, are lifted next month, Jerry, I will deliver a Six, fresh batch of cinnamon 12, buns. 12, 12 buns. Yeah, yeah. Lara's telling me he's got a, a really large oven. He's like a, like, like a baker that up in North Louth having, having lots of uh, baking excursions in his in his lockdown. But Lara, it was great. Look, I, I, honest, I, I learned a lot today about jobs to be done. Um, hopefully people give it a give it a try who do you recommend to follow or read in terms of materials about learning more about jobs to be done there's a few out there i'd start with stratagem and i'd look at uh, tony Ulbuk's book i think it's a free book called jobs to be done yeah it's based on his original book which is another book about 10 years old or more called uh, outcome driven innovation oh yeah what customers yeah. want that one but there's also uh, bob mester's side of things he, he's a book out as well but really like the, what they boil down to for me is they boil down to outcomes focusing on mm. outcomes not input not features focusing on outcomes yeah and i sorry i'd be remiss to not mention jim Kalbach. yeah he wrote a great book about bringing all the different strands of jobs done together into one book yeah and a very practical not dogmatic reference type book yeah you know and but it gives you kind of playbooks on how to to apply them doesn't give you the, the full thing which is perfect exactly like it's yeah. really it's one of those books that you don't read cover to cover although you can but it's one you pick it up and go okay i'm trying i have a specific type of problem how do we use mm. jobs to be done or some method to, to help solve that yeah how might i not eat all the cinnamon buns <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> i'll put a link to jim's jim's and bob mess's uh, books there into the, the show notes lar thanks again for your time it's been loads of fun cheers jerry thanks a million So there you have it. That's all for this episode of Bringing Design Closer. If you like this episode, feel free to visit thisishcd.com where you can access our back catalogue of over 100 episodes with episodes related to service design, product management, design research, and much, much more. If you're interested in design and innovation training, feel free to check out our business, thisisdoing.com, where you can join online classrooms and learn from the world's best design and innovation leaders. Join the This Is HCD newsletter where you'll receive updates from the network. And also, if you're interested, apply to join the Slack community on thisishcd.com. Stay safe and until next time, take care.